Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, need to call a quick time out here. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my listeners over at OU didn't know for a while now about all the cool things happening over at adsfreeshows.com. An all-new mailbag series debuts later this month on ad-free shows as we pick the brain of a man who has spent 40-plus years in the wrestling business. Longtime WCW and WWE referee Nick Patrick answers your questions. And Kurt Angle. We get here on it. Or me no, on no, it. ended up being my own blood. Austin had, <laughs> had, had the title. It had the jagged edges on it, right? And they had a deal where, where uh, uh, Angle pulled me in and I took a belt shot. A little bonus content comes your way, courtesy of the Kurt Angle Show. A dream match became a reality back in 2016 as Kurt Angle squared off against Cody Rhodes on the Independent. For the first time, Kurt watches back his match against the American Nightmare. This kid's really talented. He's selling the ankle here on the leapfrog, went down on it awkwardly. He's outside the ring talking to the referee. This is, like you said, all part of the match plan. Hey, start to show that weakness in the ankle. Yeah, yeah, this was uh, his idea to make it look like he hurt his ankle so that when he did lose, (laughs) he had something to gripe about. Ad-free show members have chatted one-on-one with AEW stars like Eddie Kingston, Dax Harwood, Ricky Starks, and many more, including a recent live interactive session with Renee Paquette. He still continues to do that. He's on commentary in AEW. Um, So I think it was cool for him to kind of put on that analyst hat and get to kind of test out those waters a little bit. But end of the day, it was a thing that I think made him feel like, you know what? Wrestling can be okay again. I can have fun in the wrestling space again. And and now we have CM Punk Wrestling. So you're welcome. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why Ads Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adsfreeshows.com. Cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. 
I don't want a piece of the world. I want the whole world. I make my own rules. Because it's much easier that way. Trust me. What's up, everybody? I'm Marcus D'Angelo, and you're back in the snake pit. And if you're watching us now on YouTube, I think that you're seeing that things look a little bit different here. And for very, very good reason, uh, Jake was not able to make it. And we instead got another WWE Hall of Famer to fill in as the host this week. We are here with Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Jim, thank you so much for being here, man. Well, brother, you know the first thing Hacksaw has got to do is give a big hello. <laughs> kind of fires me up, you know, uh, gets the blood flowing, gets the air in the lungs. Get your old hacksaw ready to go. You yeah. know, Marcus, I tell everybody should start the day off with a good hoe. That's, I'll tell you what, there's no better way to start the day. Forget about Folgers in your cup. You start the day with a hoe, you're ready to go. Well, be careable how you say that, brother, I'll tell you. And, <laughs> anyway, I, and all the time you see Flair, you see Flair every day. It's like, Rick, how you doing? Woo! Rick, how was your lunch? Woo! How was your flight? Woo! I'm like, Rick, are your trunks too tight or what, man? It's more like a ho. Ho's a little bit more manly, I think, than than the woo. <laughs> yeah, the woo works. I got to tell you, yeah, Flair's Flair. He's he's done something right, and I better watch. Oh, I joke! I said I'll be getting off the plane. People will be like, "It's Hacksaw Duggan." Flair will be behind me, like. Get out of the way, Axon, Rick Flair. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to know where you are in the totem pole, you know. Man, it's been what, like fifty years of fame for him, so he's doing something right. Yeah, Flair's Flair, Flair and Hogan, a whole different level. Yes, sir. Well, you know what? You are a legend in your own right, and I'm so psyched to have you here. And you know what's what's interesting is uh, Jake and I were all set to record last week. We normally do this a week before, and right now it's Monday, so this podcast releases tomorrow. Um, and as I was doing the research for our topic, which was him and the honky tonk man, I was seeing all this stuff about you leaving the UWF. And I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. As I'm, as I'm reading all this research, uh, you were a mainstay in the UWF and here in early 1987, you were out the door. And so when Jake said he couldn't record, we, uh, we audibled and I, thankfully you, you were able to jump in and I'm really psyched to talk about this topic. I think it's really fascinating and we've got a lot of news and notes to cover if you're ready to go. Well, I sure do him, brother. But, of course, just in case, you know, for Jake's listening, I want Jake to feel at home. So everything's horrible. I feel bad. Wrestling stinks. Nothing's good at all. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's a good Jake impression. I don't like anybody. <laughs> that's, that about sums uh, it up. Jake and I, uh, we go way, way back. Actually, Jake was a, a groomsman in my wedding many years ago. Might have been my best man, but my dad was my best man, God bless him. But uh, Jake was a groomsman. We got married in a small little town here that I still live in now in South Carolina. And he panicked that whole town, man. <laughs> he, him and Cheryl came in for the uh, the rehearsal dinner. Oh, my gosh. Cheryl was dressed in red leather. Jake was in snakeskin. This is Southern Baptist territory down oh, here in man. South Carolina. They were throwing <laughs> holy water at them. <laughs> man, it's it, they say that opposites attract, and you and you and Jake are very different uh, personality types. But man, he tells me all the time how much he loves you and the the road stories that you two have together. So hopefully, you know, we'll have to get you and him on this podcast at some point together and and hear some of those stories because I'm sure they're wild. 
No, no. Most of the time, they're pretty mild. Oh, really? <laughs> I was, I was gonna say, <laughs> not... Jake put on my bachelor party. Let me tell you that, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and that was long before that hangover stuff ever showed up. That might have been a time plate for it back then, man. It was crazy. I disappeared for three days, and that was long before cell phones. My my family's very conservative. My dad was chief of police. My wife here in South Carolina. Everybody's like, oh, what happened to him? He's with Jake. <laughs> Jake no scares my whole family. They love him, though. They all. I have three older sisters. They all love Jake. He knows them all very well. Man, Jake is such a great guy, and uh, Jake I actually would go that far, brother. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, he introduced me to you, so he he can't be no, all bad. Yeah, oh, I had a lot of fun with Jake. If I could tell you a quick, uh, funny Jake story before we go into mid south, absolutely. Because you know, back in the day, we used to rib each other all the time, and and he ribbed me pretty good at my first TV, which we'll cover earlier later when we go into mid south, and I went up to TV. You know, I'm at the TV, WWF, and I was on the first hour, and there's two more hours, and Jake's like, well, let's go. And I'm like, well, I, I can't leave. There's two more hours. Come on, let's go. Come on, get in the car. So we get in the car, and we drive down. We're probably been an hour outside of town. Jake looks over at me and goes, man, I can't believe you left TV on your first day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, brother, what have you done to me, you know? So to get him back, we're in Chicago. And we're getting ready to leave, and we were, we were tag team, and we're getting ready to leave, and we opened it. There's this bank of doors, and we opened the doors, and there's still like 200 people out there, and they're all rabid. And you can see the limo on the far side of the people, you know? Yeah. So we pull the doors back closed, and Jake's looking at it and goes, you know, what are we going to do, hacker? And I'm like, i tell you what, brother, one, two, three, we'll open the door. We'll push our way through the door. I'll fight. We'll fight through the crowd. I'll meet you at the limo. Well, I'm with you, brother. I said, okay, Jake, one, two, three, we open the door. Jake goes out. I pulled the door closed behind him. <laughs> I gave him a three count. I snuck out the other door. I'm sitting in the limo waiting for him. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> but many, many Jake stories. But, yeah, Mid-South, though, I, I tell you, probably 80% of uh, WWE Hall of Fame guys came through Mid-South because it was such a great wrestling territory. I mean, just a true wrestling territory. Plus, you learned your trade. You'd wrestle maybe nine times a week. You'd have double shots. You'd work twice at TV. So you may be in the ring nine times a week. You would do an individual interview for every city. So you learned how to do an interview. And if uh, Bill Watts didn't like it, he'd say, do it over. So you really learned your trade. And so many guys came through Mid-South that were just top, top workers. Yeah, you know, as as I was doing the research, I'm kind of having a look at the roster at that time, and it, you're right, it's just stacked top top to bottom. Ted DiBiase hadn't departed yet; he was there. You know, of course, yourself, uh, Matt Bourne, the future Doink, Jake had gone through there. It's just, man, some incredible, incredible stars were were in Mid South. So it's it's really interesting. You know, I grew up in, I, I became a fan in like the mid to late '90s. So you know, in my mind, it was always WCW and WWF. But you know, watching back some of this old Mid South stuff, it's it's fantastic. Well, Mid South was was a different time in wrestling. Back now, it's it's the World Wrestling Entertainment, it's sports entertainment. Back mm -hmm. then, you think wrestling's fake? You sign the waiver, you come up in the ring with us, and we'll show you it's fake or not. So you had to fight every local tough guy there was, and just getting back from the ring, it was tough, and going out to your car. You'd have all the other wrestlers come out. All the heels would walk out together. It was a totally different business. In Mid-South, 
you go down in Thibodeau, Louisiana, Holmes, Louisiana, those people really hated your guts. It was a dangerous business. I've had in Little Rock, working with Junkyard Dog, I had a lady come in and, and pull a gun on me in the dressing room, man. It was wow. uh, a whole different business. It really was. And, uh, and, uh, whereas right before I came into Mid-South, that's where I got the, the two-by-four idea. You know, I was working. I, I broke in in Texas as uh, Big Jim Duggan, and uh, that didn't work. <laughs> I, I wore a mask for a while, wrestled as a convict, and that didn't work. <laughs> I wore a fur with a chains on it, and I wrestled this wild man, dug it, and that didn't work, so I evolved into Hacksaw. So out of uh, 40 years, 35 of them, I've been Hacksaw. And uh, back in the uh, San Antonio territory, which was Joe Blanchard's territory, mm -hmm. uh, was one of those real shoot territories, and uh, I was out in West Texas, like Amarillo, Lubbock, and Bruiser Brody, who was my mentor, Brody comes in, he goes, dug it. He says, if you carry something to the ring, carry something you can use. Forget those feather boas and sequin robes, you know. Because just getting back and forth from the ring, the people spit at you and punch you. And you just had these little rope barricades. So I'm sitting there in this little nasty dressing room in West Texas. I look down, I'm like, well, here's a piece of wood. <laughs> and I came out yelling, waving that two by four. It was like part in the Red Sea. Them people scattered. <laughs> I got to the ring. I'm like, this is great. Holy, this is. But I tell you, one time, though, brother, I got this big, nasty splinter in my thumb, you know? Ooh. Oh, I mean, nasty splinter. And I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the gimmick was wrestling humor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, you see the old videos of uh, of Brody in Japan and he's swinging those chains around and people are scattering. So it actually makes a lot of sense, especially with the rabid fans like you were talking about back in those days. Brody, the best big man ever in the business. He was a whole different guy What a monster of a guy. What a physique. Great worker. Knew how to work the office. I was in Pensacola at the time wrestling as a wild man, Duggan. I had a 500 a week guarantee. I was living on the beach. I had a hot little girlfriend. I was living with Luke and Butch, the sheep herders back then. <laughs> and uh, uh, Buck Roby calls me from uh, San Antonio territory. He says, Duggan, we got a good spot for you to work with Brody on top here in San Antonio. And I'm like, well, Buck, things are going pretty good here in Pensacola. <laughs> and Brody called me, says, get your butt out here and learn how to wrestle. And so I went to San Antonio, and that's where I became the hacksaw character. Oh, that's where I started carrying a two-by-four. Then I went to Mid-South, and that's where I got my uh, big break was in Mid-South. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. All right, guys, let's take a quick pause to talk about our pals over at athleticgreens.com. Guys, if you want to stay active and make an investment in your health, there's just no better solution than AG1 by Athletic Greens. Uh, for me, it's been about five months now since I started using AG1, and the difference I've experienced when it comes to energy, health, overall wellness, it's just it's unbelievable. 
Uh, you know, we used to joke that Folgers uh, was the best part of waking up. Not anymore. We're talking about Athletic Greens now. Uh, gone are the days of waking up and taking a bunch of multivitamins and supplements every single morning just to get myself where I need to be. No more. I'm done adding a million ingredients to a blender to make myself a healthy shake, and then you got to clean that thing out afterwards. AG1 makes it easy because it's just one scoop, you shake, and you enjoy it. That's it, guys. With one delicious scoop of AG1, I get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, and it just it start my day off on the right foot. These ingredients support my gut health, my nervous system, immune system, recovery, focus, and most importantly for me, it was always about the energy. In just a couple months, I'm a new man, and I, I really believe that it has everything to do with AG1. It's become part of my daily routine. I can't imagine starting the day without it. It's easy, it's convenient, and most importantly, guys, it works. They've got more than 7,000 five-star reviews. That's 7,000 people that went out of their way to review this thing and say that it, it's, it's as great as I'm saying it is. You've just got to try it to believe it. And guess what? It costs less than $3 a day. That is a very small price to pay when it comes to making a true investment in your health. It's time, guys. Come on. Go and reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I mean, you can't beat that deal. Just get started over at athleticgreens.com forward slash snake. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash snake, S-N-A-K-E, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Man, changed your whole career, um, obviously for the better. And then, you know, you were you were about to make make for uh, your homeland up there in uh, the Northeast uh, in 1987. We've actually got some notes here from uh, the Wrestling Observer. We kind of use that to to paint the picture of the background and give some context. So this is from the January uh, 12th, 1987 Observer. The biggest news story and really the two biggest news stories of the past week come out of the UWF. Both Jim Duggan and the Fantastics have been released from their current contracts effective at the end of this month. Since Duggan was the most popular wrestler in the UWF, this was a major development. Duggan will now get a chance to join Titan Sports as he's been wanting to for the past three months. Uh, he also mentions here uh, that, as mentioned previously, Duggan had asked to be released from his two-year contract signed this past April upon his return from Japan this past September. UWF President Bill Watts refused to release him until the contract was fulfilled because, after all, that's what contracts were designed for, to protect the UWF against raids from Titan. So, I mean, this is just massive, massive news at the time, Jim. Uh, you were a mainstay in the company, uh, probably the biggest star. I know that Steve Williams was starting to really come into his own, but you were you were a big household name in that area. Um, how long had you had the desire to get up to the WWF? Uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, one of my best friends. I was li I lived with Doc for a long time. What a great guy. But down in Mid-South, now, that was a hot territory. It would take in Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, East Texas, and Oklahoma. So it was a big territory, a lot of driving, maybe 3,000 miles a week sometimes you'd be driving. you spend a lot of time in your car. But wow. it was still a good territory, and we are all young guys, Rock and Roll Express, Magnum, T.A., Every night, Shreveport, we all go to the street. Uh, Sheraton was a big party there. Little Rock was a big party there. It was a great time in the business for being a young guy in the business. So the, uh, And we'd even, like I said, would do Superdome shows. So the territory mm -hmm. was high. All of a sudden, Vince McMahon starts WrestleMania, starts the WrestleMania series. 
And of course, Bill Watts, he wants to keep all his talent. And he's like, you know, McMahon's not going to be nothing. All of a sudden, Vince goes around to all the smaller territories. He cherry-picks all the top talent. He came down to Mid-South. He grabbed JYD, Junkyard Dog. And I tell you, Dog was as strong in the Mid-South as Hogan or Flair or Bockwinkle was anywhere. JYD was that hot in Mid-South. Yep. So that was that was really the huge coup for him to pull JYD up for WrestleMania 1. So when he pulled Dog up for one, though, that elevated me from the number two spot to the main event spot, the number one spot in Mid-South, which was a good spot. I bought my first home and my second home. I bought two homes down in Louisiana. I met my wife. Uh, I had a great time down there. So it was a hot territory thing. We're working. WrestleMania came and went. Uh, Bill Watts is saying, that's it. Vince McMahon, they'll never be able to follow it. He blew it. That's all, all he's got. WrestleMania 2 comes around. That guy we were talking about earlier, Jake the Snake uh, Roberts, goes up for WrestleMania 2. Mm-hmm. He's up there for a while. Jake called, like I said, Jake and I are pretty tight. Jake calls me down in Louisiana. He says, Brother, New York's the place to be. In, uh, New York, New York, you know? So uh, I I called Vince. A lot of people, oh, Vince, Vince called me. I, I, oh, I called Vince. And he said, fulfill, he told me, fulfill my contract, do what's right with uh, Bill Watts, which uh, we have to a little argument because they were really trying to job me out real bad. But yeah. uh, I, I did, I, I did, I fulfilled my contract with Bill, be a man, filled my contract with Bill, and, and, and then went up for a WrestleMania three. So DiBiase's down there in Mid South. And of course, junk, you know, he's like, I can't go up to New York. Junkyard Dog, Jake the Snake, Hacksaw Duggan. I'm Ted DiBiase. Shoot, Ted goes up, gets the best gimmick of anybody. The $3 (laughs) man thing. Has Virgil driving around flying first class. It it worked out good for Ted. But I don't think anybody had the conception that WWE or F would become the world powerhouse. I mean, well, it's unbelievable how how huge it's become, uh, especially coming out of the, the smaller territories, was great guys like Jake, myself, DiBiase. We've seen the transition of wrestling. We do high school gyms, National Guard armories. Then we're doing Wembley Stadium, Pontiac Silverdome, and 90, 90,000 people. And what a transition in the business to see. Of course, Man. Marcus, I, I joke, it, it goes full circle for the old-timers. You start off in the high school gyms, National Guard armories, you work your way up. Boom, your main event at the guard. Boom, things are going downhill, and you're finishing up at the high school gyms. That's the guard <laughs> at the Indies, man. But I love I was just at a, a dream wave, an empty company up in Chicago. I went backstage just to sit in the dressing room with all the boys going over finishes. The boys are the boys. It was, uh, it was really a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and nothing's of course, changed. I noted that uh, Jericho's cruise, I was down there whacking them with a two-by-four. You know, so that's my joke. You know, the WWF, I wrestled Dusty, DiBiase, and Orton. In the WWE, I wrestled Dusty's kid, DiBiase's kid, and Orton's kid. At first, I beat up the old man. Then I beat up the kid. And then on Jericho's cruise, I got the grandkids. My goodness. It's, I mean, crazy how uh, cyclical the business can be sometimes. And by the way, I saw the footage of you hitting the guy with the two by four. But then what I think really stuck out to fans online was that you were in the ring with the acclaimed and they're a really hot act right now because of the scissor me daddy. 
thing no, where I, they yo, where I they was all... doing the schedule with them. They had to kind of explain it, but it wasn't rocket science. I got I got an idea of what's going on, fellas. Jericho comes over, he goes, You're cool. I said, Yeah, I, I, I kind of figured it out, Chris. It's not all that complicated, but <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, I'm a wrestler, too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was like a fever dream seeing you in the ring with those guys. You know, uh, those uh, I guys... tell you, that we got a hell of a pop. The, the people were surprised. It's going to be, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's it's two very, very different generations. And what's funny is, you know, the guys from your generation really kind of criticize all that sort of stuff, like the, the scissor me daddy, kind of the over-the-top comical sort of thing. And it was just really cool to see you in the ring with those guys and have that moment. Well, you think about it, the, the whole, the yes, yes, the scissor me, is something visual, something people can relate to. You know, I, I think it's a great deal. It works good. Everybody in the crowd was going like that. Oh, <laughs> that, that's wrestling, man. That's it. And those guys have made a bunch of merch money on it. They're doing well, and I'm happy for them. They're uh, talented hey, guys, young guys. Being back in that dressing room. Sometimes you wonder if they're like, you know, why is this old timer here? You know, a little resentment, but everybody was very respectful. They had to come over and say hello. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It really was. And plus, the cruise was great. I had a good time on the cruise. Uh, me and Vicky Guerrero did uh, uh, the Wheel of Fortune. I think it was some kind of TV game with the fans. So it was, it, it was a lot of fun. Wrestling fans and and the, the rock music, but they didn't ask me to sing. I don't know. What <laughs> man it looked like a blast all those photos you guys shared were great um so i did want to ask too melter notes that watts denied your initial request to leave uh months earlier uh what can you tell us about bill's reaction to you all of a sudden now you're getting a call to his his enemy's territory yeah i don't, obviously he wasn't happy but i i i think he saw the writing on the wall i think when dog left and even jay or uh, jake before WrestleMania three and the 90,000 people, I think he was still kind of hoping he was going to take tag up with uh, AEW. I know the first time I worked with uh, the road warriors, um, we were in the Meadowlands and they were with AEW and I was with a universe, uh, uh, mid South. Mm-hmm. And uh, they try, they were trying to do a package deal together and uh, they were trying to compete with Vince, but you know, you got to give Vince credit. I mean, even WCW with Ted Turner, and all the the power of Turner Empire, and to go against Vince head to head against Ted Turner, and Vince to come out on top, you gotta you know respect Vince. A lot of guys hate Vince McMahon, you know that son of a gun Vince McMahon. And I'm like, I don't hate Vince McMahon. The guy was my boss. He was not my friend. Right. You know, I did a talk show not a while ago with this young kid. He goes, that Vince McMahon, he preaches like pieces of me. Well, son, what do you think you are? <laughs> you want a friend? Go buy a puppy. You know, welcome to the big leagues, kid. That's it, man. And you know, I know that a lot of people say, like, oh, well, he takes these these uh, talents and he uses them up, and then once they're all beat up and they can't do it anymore, then he he casts them aside. It's like, hey, oh, he could treat uh, you better. Yeah, he he could treat you better. That's for sure. Well, and you know, it's that's professional sports. Uh, in football, they don't keep a guy around because they like him. It's it can he continue no, to play? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there's no friendship at all. And people don't realize this how competitive professional wrestling is. They say, ah, wrestling, pro wrestling. I want to be a wrestler. I say, well, great. Well, chase your dreams because you know, I saw Daniel Bryan. I said, there's no way this kid's going to make it. You know, not a chance. There he comes, a, a huge, phenomenal star. He became so I said, chase your dreams. But if you look at it as a businessman, 
I said, there's 1,500 NFL football players playing this year. There's 500 NBA basketball players playing this year. There's 200 WWE and AEW wrestlers. It's a television show. It's more competitive than sports. And it's just not kids from America. You get kids from Japan, Australia, Europe. Everybody wants one of those 200 spots. It's a very competitive business. Yes, sir. It is. And uh, certainly competitive back in these days, too. 87, it was, you know, oh, lots back of then, even more so because it was a closed business. Now everybody's got a wrestling school. You want to be a wrestler? Come on, I'll make you a wrestler. Sign, take, take a backdrop. Here's you're a wrestler. Back then, if you weren't somebody's kid, if you weren't connected, you couldn't get into wrestling. That's why there was so many second generation guys that grew up in the business. I was a total outsider. I mean, I had no white. I didn't watch wrestling growing up. I wasn't a wrestling fan. The first time Fritz von Erich approached me, I blew him off. Oh, no. I mean, what a huge gift Fritz von Erich gave to me because I went to the Falcons. I played my college ball in T Dallas, Texas for Southern Methodist University. Had a great career down at SMU. I met Fritz. He said, you might want to think about wrestling. I'm like, no, I'll be in the NFL for 10 years. So I went to the Atlanta Falcons in 77. Boom, had two knee surgeries. Was on injured reserve, reserve all season. Went up to Canada in 78. They cut me after a while up with a, for a Toronto Argonauts. Mm -hmm. I called Fritz up. I said, hey, I want to try this wrestling. And what a huge gift. A total outsider. He brought me into the sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. And had uh, David Manning, the referee, open the door and teach me how to wrestle. Gino Hernandez became a good friend of mine, kind of took me under his wing. And uh, the gift of professional wrestling. I, I invested in a pair of boots and trunks. And here at 69 years old, I live a comfortable life. I put two daughters through school. It's been a great business for me. Man, just incredible. And what a journey, you know, to think, hey, I'm going to be in the NFL for 10 years. So all of a sudden it's, you know, you're in this wild world of wrestling. It's, it's I wish awesome. I had made the move sooner. I hey. wish I had made the move sooner. I really do. Uh, wrestling, that's what I joke. I do a lot of charity with the NFL guys. You know, I, I love those NFL guys. They're like, well, world champions, you know. I'm like, well, where in the world do you fellas go? <laughs> and they're like, well, we went to London. I'm like, that's like going to the West Coast. Go to London. You got to be kidding me. Said, Nobody knows Tom Brady down in Christchurch, New Zealand, but they'll go, ho. They know Jim Duggan. That's for sure. Oh, and the boys. It's amazing the appeal of wrestling. Uh, like many guys, I've wrestled every state in the union, every province in Canada, in 30 different countries. It's uh, crazy the appeal of wrestling unbelievable what a career and you know it's uh, i know that you were probably close with bill watts after all those years with him but you know it's it was time no, to make a business I was never an office guy like i've never been to vince's house i've been to bill's house one time i never wanted to be a manager or in the office of booker it was a job for me i was a wrestler i came in i did my wrestling deal i left i wasn't really tight with bill uh i, I did i worked for him i did a good job for him and he paid me well. He liked guys like myself, Steve Williams, JYD. He liked ex-jocks, ex-ball players, ex-tough guys. He uh, So he treated me very, especially when Dog left, because he knew he wanted uh, this. I wanted to go up to Vince, so he paid me very well. Like I said, I bought two homes down there. So it was a big decision to leave Mid-South, because I, I was a big fish down there in Mid-South and go up to New York. I remember in particular it was Market Square Arena. They, they, I think they tore it down in Indianapolis. 
And I went out there and I had that place rocking, man. And I came back through the curtain. I said, whoa, I had the people the palm of my hand. I said, let them follow that. Hogan went out there, did this deal. Boom, the roof went boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the different level. Holy smokes. Different level. All right, guys, another brief time out so we can talk about our friends over at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Guys, we are talking about the best in the country when it comes to making crab cakes, soups, chowders, oysters, signature steaks, plus desserts or gluten-free items. Yep, I said steaks. At a seafood place, look, Jimmy's is the best in every category. So why not treat yourself to a little surf and turf? They have been in business for over 40 years, and they've been featured all across TV, and for damn good reason. They're the best when it comes to delivering seafood, steaks, all of the above. They have set the gold standard. Uh, And now our listeners across the country can enjoy what Jimmy's has to offer because they can ship food nationwide. Do you have a get-together coming up? Maybe you want to impress your friends or your family with a delicious meal? Jimmy's has got you covered. You've got to try the famous gift box. It includes four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes, two different crab soups, crab dip, seafood seasoning, and their signature base sauce. Or, hey, why not do the tailgate bundle? Hey, look, I know the Super Bowl season's over, but that doesn't mean you can't still have some fun tailgating. You're looking at two pounds of wings, a full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip, crab cake mix. Hey, better yet, go and create your own box and get absolutely everything you want among all the incredible selections over at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. And look, it gets better. Right now, our listeners across the country can enjoy free two-day shipping nationwide on orders of over $125. All you've got to do is go to jimmysfamousseafood.com and use our promo code SNAKE. That's jimmysfamousseafood.com and try that promo code SNAKE, S-N-A-K-E, to get that free two-day shipping nationwide. One more time, that's jimmysfamousseafood.com and the promo code is SNAKE. Well, it's, you know, we, we talked about Bill here and I, you said that you weren't necessarily friends. I know that Jake on this podcast, uh, he has made it very, very clear that he does not like Bill Watts to this day. Um, oh, at at Jake, who he likes. <laughs> <laughs> he likes you. <laughs> if it's short, yeah, short conversation, that's for sure. So a lot of guys did not like Bill. Bill was a bully. He picked on people. He encouraged, uh, Butch Reed and Berserker to have a fight in the dressing room. And in, in wrestling at this stage, if you fight another guy in the dressing room, we're not going to go beat somebody up. The other guy, he knows how to fight too. And he's going to get his in. So it's like, yeah, I won. Thank you. And he made those two guys fight. They both beat each other up. Uh, Butch got the worst, worst end of it. But, uh, and then I seen him get in the ring. This young kid wanted to be a wrestler, very respectful, came to the old sport. Uh, uh, I forget the name of the uh, the name of the building, Shreveport, Louisiana. But anyway, he came and he said, "Well, roll around with Doctor Dusty Williams for a little while." And of course, Doc's an AAU champion. Oh yeah. Doc rolled around with him for like six minutes, where the kid could hardly stand up. Bill got in the ring, put him in the sleeper, and hurt. I mean, that's the kind of guy Bill was. I mean, uh, he didn't like the uh, Blade Runners. Ultimate Warrior and, and Sting, he didn't like those guys, and he could be a real pain in the butt. But he treated me fine. I, I, so we that's... were not friends. We had a business relationship, and I performed for him, and, and he paid me uh, well. So I saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. So I, again, I have no grudges against these guys. You know that you know what you're getting going in. 
It's not, you don't let people come up and you go, well, you know, you don't get a pension and you don't get health insurance. I'm like, well, it's not a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> you know that going in, brother. Save your money. That's it. That's it. And, you know, uh, you yourself, a big, tough dude, uh, you know, a pro athlete at this time. And you you mentioned uh, Watts was kind of bullying people. He never tried any of that shit with you? Nope. I never had a problem with Bill physically. Nope. Sure did. That's excellent, uh, man. Neither did, neither did Doc. Of course, Bill was an older man. You know, I'm sure when he was younger, he might have had a problem. He seemed to have a problem with everybody. But like me and Doc, uh, Doc was uh, my three best friends in wrestling. Are all gone. Terry Gordy of the Fabulous Freebirds, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, God bless Doc, and of course Piper. And uh, we miss all three of them. But uh, no, those are three good men right there. Man, but I, were... I remember living with Doc in Mid South, and I mean Doc was we wrestled because I was an amateur also. I won the states back in New York. I was undefeated, so I, I could amateur too. And you know, a lot of times we get ready to go out. Once the few nights we'd have off, off. We'd be on our way out, and all of a sudden, we bump into each other. Before you know it, we're rolling through the whole living room, tearing up everything. Uh, I missed the doc. He was a good man. Now, I got to hear uh, the nature of competitiveness. How did you do against Doc? Because you hear all the time. Oh, no, it was like uh, chess. He wins some, I lose some. Uh, back and forth. We're back. Yeah. Uh, my wife, uh, I was living with Doc when I when met Deborah. And back in the day, we, could, we used to run all the time. We'd, we'd pull over. She would uh, leave the car with her, and she'd get out and order the food. Me and Doc start running down the, the two-lane road in Louisiana. Uh, it was the uh, – yeah, we, we were jocks. We used to run back in the day. So, yeah, I had a lot of lot of fun with Doc. Of course, and back then, that was a, a lot of fighting territory back then. If you want to hear a little scru- uh, scuffle uh, story. Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so we're in this bar in Alexandria, Louisiana, and I'm sitting there. It's called The Lighthouse. But if it was nicknamed the Fight House, there were so many fights there. It was like uh, <laughs> out of uh, Roadhouse. The, they had the screen up and everything. Anyway, so I, boom, I get hit with a piece of ice. And I'm sitting there, I'm not putting it over him at the table. Boom, I get hit again. I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> but the third piece of ice, I get up, I'm looking around, you know. So I look over, and they're standing at the bar is Dr. Death, Hercules Hernandez, and this girl standing in between them. So I said, it's got to be them, you know. Yeah. So I, again, I get a big chunk of ice and I throw it. And man, the girl looks at me and hits her. Boom. That's oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's pissed. Here she comes. She's got the glass of, in her hand. She's telegraphing. She's going to throw it at me. So she throws it at me. I sidestep it. Boom. I hit her with mine. <laughs> <laughs> so now this guy comes up. I push him down. He goes down by Hercules. This is back when you could fight and not get arrested and all that. Right. Not get sued. Boom, the guy takes a bump by Hercules. There he heals. I'm a baby face. He looks up at Hercules like, let's get dug in. Hercules goes, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Just crushes him. And it's uh, out of gun smoke. The lights come on. The music stops. Everybody's fighting Doc and Hercules. And Hercules was like a windmill. He's going like this, hitting people. And Doc's <laughs> going, boom, boom, boom. Most people have never been in a fight, so you got like a five-yard zone of dead and dying. You know, I'm hit. I'm hit. <laughs> well, and, you know, <laughs> oh, who now, get... now the place is going do again, do again. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to get so, close to you three big guys too? It's man, oh, and that, I'd see that so, happen and go use the restroom. I think. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, it, I took off and uh, 
Doc and Gordy, they came out. They got they fought all the way to the car. They got in the car. They drove away. The cops stopped him. Hercules got out, fought the police. He got arrested, got beat up by the police. Oh my Steve God. got a, a drunk driving ticket. And the Doc's dying day, he's like, Duggan, we never threw that ice. <laughs> <laughs> so it was somebody else across the bar. I started the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Um, as, well, uh, I did want to ask you next. Uh, so you had mentioned your wife, Deborah. How did she feel about this idea of you departing <laughs> departing from Mid-South? You said you were living a really comfortable <laughs> life, and now all of a sudden a big life change. Yeah, uh, she was very supportive. Of course, we weren't married there. You know, Deborah and I were, were getting ready to celebrate our 34th wedding anniversary. Oh, congrats. So 38 congrats. years together. We've been together 38 years. Uh, and it's been quite a ride because, you know, back in the day, I, I was – wide wide open but you know we we've used her in the ring i think you found the deal where we used her at a superdome show yes where dick slater and dark journey and buzz sawyer are in the ring and you know i got deborah planted ringside all dressed in white and they're like duggan you oh yes you can't get a girl and i'm like i, I can get a girl <laughs> I, I pulled deborah in the ring and of course the stuff goes down deborah's never been in the ring knows very little about actual wrestling so of course we're battling she jumps on buzz's back buzz sawyer mad mm -hmm. dog buzz sawyer he crushes her in the turnbuckle i'm fighting slater i turn back here comes buzz boom i pop him as he goes down he drops the elbow on deborah <laughs> meantime there's never been in the ring meantime dark journey's got all these roses with a big metal rod in it boom she hits me in the head and you know marcus people go well don't you guys use blood capsules but like, I wish it was a blood capsule. <laughs> it's a razor blade. And I had this big baby vent blade, and I'm going coast to coast, you know, boom, boom, boom. We're getting ready to do the Superdome. So every time my heart pumps, it squirts a little bit. So now the baby faces come down. They run off the heels. I go over to Deborah's. I bleed all over in white. We go off the air. I got a banana in my arm. Super <laughs> Man, that's how wrestling that is best. Right. That was such a hot territory. Uh, it was amazing. The best dressed man contest. Me and DiBiase had dressed in tuxedos inside the steel cage with a coal miner's glove. Loser leave town. What a gimmick. Holy yeah. smokes. <laughs> so the it, tux, it, loser leaves town, coal miner's glove in a cage. In a cage. And it, and it all led up to that. It started with a, you know, and everything fit together. It was a long oh. program. It took like six months. First was the best dressed man contest. And then uh, it went to a coal miners deal thing. And then it was people that got involved. So we put it inside a steel cage. And then how else can you spice, spice it up? Loser leave town. So it was, it was great. That missed out so many, many great angles. The gorilla suit, uh, uh, the the, the uh, DiBiase's guys jumping me in the back. I'll tell you a quick one, man. But folks who wrestle DiBiase at TV, he comes in, he throws down my two by four. He's like, Duggan, he won't be here tonight. So the deal was, he was supposed to have a bunch of guys jump me out in the parking lot and beat me up in the parking lot. Yeah. So I'm in back at the, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport. That we did our TV taping. So I'm in behind the Irish McNeil Boys Club. 
And I had a hell of a fight with myself. I'm rolling in the mud, jumping back and forth. I got my shirt torn. And they said, now, when the referee comes out, go ahead and get the juice and we'll bring you in. You can cut the uh, promo. So I'm like, great. So I'm sitting there in a, a puddle in the dark behind the Irish McNeil. All of a sudden, I see a flashlight coming around the corner. Here comes a cop. He comes around. He sees me. Man down. We got a man down behind the boys club. <laughs> I jump up. I said, no, sir. I said, I'm okay. He goes, you don't realize how bad you're hurt. <laughs> no. Anyway, they pulled me in. I got the juice going. They pulled me in. They got me hanging over the uh, the barricades, but it worked out great because in the background, you could hear the ambulance coming and uh, had the juice going. It, it, it all worked out good. That is hilarious. Now, when a when a cop is involved like that, I know in those days kayfabe was very much alive. Are you are you acting like you're still a little bit hurt to sell it? Well, no. They just about the time he found me and things got going, they came to get me, so I didn't have to. But you know, I had to, the in the Little Rock uh, ordeal. Uh, well, a few different times, but that one where the lady came in with a gun. But obviously, that was a, a for real deal. But I've been in another show where I was a bad guy. And I was going to hit the good guy with a chair, and the sheriff grabbed the chair. <laughs> I'm like, I got to hit him with a chair. He goes, you're not hitting him with a chair. I'm like, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and they got so caught up into it, you know. I mean, a wrestling riot back in the old days was not unheard of. I mean, uh, people would come in the ring. I was in uh, Houston, Texas, at the old Sam Houston Coliseum, working over Tony Atlas pretty good. All of a sudden, boom, I get hit in the back of the head. I turn around, there's this big, tall, skinny cowboy. He's dancing around, you know, and I'm like, come here. And I got him. And as I get him, I give him a shot. The security grabs him, and they start to pull him out of the ring. But I'm a bad guy. I'm like, no. <laughs> He's dancing there with me. <laughs> the man, so, yeah, they could have him in the ring. That's a, like the two-by-four. It, it was dangerous. I we did the angle with the gorilla suit where we beat Junkyard Dog and he had to leave the territory. If you want to hear that whole story or just the repercussions. Oh, yeah. No, sure. Sure. You can lay okay. it out. Okay, yeah. So it's Mid-South. Junkyard Dog is the top guy in the territories. The marquee talent. We got a loser leave town. Him and DiBiase. And, of course, all the fans are like, well, there's no way Junkyard Dog's going to leave. It's going to be DiBiase. Mm-hmm. So what we do is I dress in a complete gorilla outfit. Gorilla hands and feet. I put makeup on on my eyes. I got a bunch of balloons. And I'm standing in front of the TV studio with the balloons. And the fans are there like, oh, Gorilla, you want to come to the matches? <laughs> I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> so the fans, they bring me into the show. And I pass the balloons out to the kids. And I'm cheering all the baby faces. And finally, it's Dog DiBiase. And they're battling back and forth. And Dog takes a bump out of the ring. I'm like, oh. I run over, I brush him off. He turns around, boom, I hit him in the back of the head. I run up in the post. I pull that gorilla mask off. The people are like, it's Dugan. It's cockeyed Dugan. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it was a great angle because now we beat Dog, but Dog came back under a mask of Stagger Lee, and we could never unmask him to prove it was Dog. I mean, That that was the start of Stagger Lee? That was the start of Stagger Lee. Yeah, that, that was is the start of Stagger. And then I'm working with Stagger Lee in downtown New Orleans in the, the municipal building, municipal auditorium, I think was the name. 
it mm-hmm. was always just jammed. It was meant to hold how many they put 200 more people than there should be. And in New Orleans, they got that who that chant. Who that? Who that? Who that going to beat the Saints? Who that? Boom, boom, boom. So I'm back in the dressing room and I'm lacing up my boots. And that whole building is vibrating. Who that? Who that? Who that going to beat the dog? Who that? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, no. Like, oh, smokes, you know. <laughs> so they, they hated me. They're throwing stuff before we I even get to the ring. They're throwing stuff. They had steel barricades in uh, New Orleans because the people were so rowdy. Big steel barricades. And I'm getting to the ring, and they're, they're throwing stuff. So now I get in the ring with JYD, and I'm working them over pretty good. And they're starting to throw chairs and stuff are coming in the ring. And dog's like, get some more meat, uh, more heat on me, hacker. I'm like, BS, make your comeback, brother. <laughs> Start trying kicking to get my out of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to get out of here alive, dog. The bad guy get beat up. If you're beating up the good guy, they'll come help him in a wrestling riot. If it's a riot, if the bad guy starts winning or the good guy starts winning, everybody will back off and watch. So dog started beating me up, and they, they backed off a little bit. But then I'm leaving. I'm coming out, and of course the barricades are pushing together. People are spitting and throwing stuff at me. Now the barricades are pretty close. Boom! I get hit right behind the ear. But boom! I caught the guys. I knew I got him. I got him. And I'm pulling the guy over the barricade. I'm about to light him up. He's about 80 years old. <laughs> I'm like, oops. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> now the barricades are going. And, I ran back. Uh, I learned uh, years ago I got beat up in Hawaii I, by fighting the audience. I, I learned a valuable lesson as a young wrestler. You don't fight the crowd. You fight your way through the crowd uh, back in the day. Yeah, so I was were, in the you Hawaii. You were standing there just trying to fight everybody. Yeah, well, I thought I was a tough guy, right? I'm in Hawaii. I just came out of the NFL. Uh, I, I broke in, in uh, like I said, in Texas, and I went up and I worked for Vince Sr., the WWWF. And wow. this stuff would be doing jobs for Hogan with no beard, clean shaven, uh, Stan Hansen, those kind of guys. So Vince Sr. calls me in the office. He's like, kid, you might have a future, but come up with something better than Big Jim and get rid of that gold bathrobe. You sure the gold bathrobe is rig in So they said, we're going to send you out to learn how to wrestle. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, where are you going to send me? I'm like, we're going to send you to Hawaii. <laughs> okay i guess you know so they sent me out to hawaii where i worked for high chief peter Maivia. so that's my deal you know i worked with the grand uh, the rock's grandfather high chief peter Maivia. i worked with the rock's father rocky johnson and i may get the rock at wrestlemania tough guy <laughs> it's not too late you never no know chance in hell are you kidding <laughs> All right, by now, guys, you know, I love talking about old wrestling. What you might not know is it's not my real passion. My real passion is helping people save money. My real passion is getting families out of apartments and into houses. My real passion is getting people's finances aligned so they can retire on time. I hated going to Walmart and seeing the greeter being 80 years old. She should not be working. She should be home. Why is she still working? Because she still has a mortgage. I want to help avoid that for you. The other thing I want to help you with, let's make sure your kids don't get saddled with student loans. If you've got a student loan, why did you get one? Maybe because your parents still had a mortgage. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm being sincere. There's only so much money to go around. 
What I want to help you do is figure out where you are right now and where you want to be long-term. And I do it at SaveWithConrad.com. I've been doing mortgages for more than 20 years. And during all that time, we've helped tens of thousands of families change their life. I mean, routinely, we're helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, but more importantly, get them out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. But if you don't think it can happen for you, let me just tell you this. We are not the bank. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. We're going to get you a game plan on how to improve your credit, how to save a little bit of cash and how to get into that dream house. Maybe you're already in the house, but it would be nice if someday we could put a pool in the back or one day we want to upgrade to hardwood floors or remodel the kitchen or get a badass master bathroom. I can help you do all of that with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. Check it out. SaveWithConrad.com, NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And hey, y'all, don't take my word for it. Check us out. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. And as if that's not enough, go look at our reviews. Read them and weep, haters. ConradReviews.com. You'll see more than a thousand five-star reviews. Our average review is 4.72 stars. Find out how much money you can save. Take control of your life in 2023 by taking control of your finances. We're going to show you how to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, what are you paying on that? 14%, 28%, you know you can do better. With the mortgage though, you may not know this, the interest you pay is tax deductible. And we can even show you how to skip your next two house payments. So if you can get a lower monthly payment, pay your debt off faster, get a greater tax deduction at the end of the year. And right now, right after the holidays, skip your next two payments. Buddy, this is the biggest no brainer in the history of the world. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Or hey man, shoot me an email directly. Conrad at savewithconrad.com. Anyway, so I get out of Hawaii. I'm a kid and they're like, put a mask on, you know, <laughs> so they put me under a hood and I wrestled as the convict. And so, you know, being a young guy, you're trying to come up with something new. And I'm like, you know, what can I do for the convict? So I put little C's on my mask for the convict, you know, and I'd stomp on down the ring and all the fans were like, convict, why'd you put those ears on your mask? <laughs> I said, they're not ears, they're C's for that convict. But it, excuse me. But anyway, we're at Hot Finish, Pearl City. Uh, it's a city right there, obviously, by Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. uh, Pearl City. And all the island boys are the baby faces. All the white people, the Hollies, are the bad guys, are the heels. So I'm a heel. And, of course, I ran down. I, I tripped like Siva Alfie or Tama Tonga, who turned out to be Haku down the road. Well, yeah. I tripped him, and we won one, two, three. I started leaving. Well, here came the people. I mean, you know, I'm right out of the NFL. You know, I'm about 260. I'm in great shape, man. First big Samoan guy came up. Boom! I racked him. He goes, <laughs> uh oh. These <laughs> 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 usually work. <laughs> <laughs> they were on me like fire ants. They were all over me, man. Only time I've ever been knocked out of my life, the guy hit me sideways with a chair. How cool. Oh. Yeah, how cool. I've known since, what, 1979? Yeah, no longer than anybody else in the business. Aku pulls me back to the dressing room like a bull at a bullfight. You know, they got me by a leg. They dragged me back. 
Now all my buddies are sitting around. They're all looking at me. And they they pull my mask. The blood is just pouring out of my mask. You know, they pull my mask off. Everybody goes, "Ooh, oh no!" I'm like, guys, come on. <laughs> That's not a good sign. It's not the Mona Lisa anyway. It cut me a little slack. <laughs> Man, it's, you made your bones. Uh, you know, as you said, you were in the WWF. You had to go down there and kind of get yourself right and. <clears throat> excuse me now here you are you know all these years later uh and you are you're you're about to make your debut on the biggest stage in wrestling and things have changed you know as you said hulkamania is running wild uh, the rock and wrestling connection was a big thing and now all of a sudden it's like man you are you are making it to the big show uh do you remember what any of your early negotiations or conversations with vince would have been like or like any expectations he had for you um pretty much went like hi i'd really like to come up <laughs> that was it. Yeah. No, yeah, we had we had a good rapport because I he kind of remembered me uh, as from a, he was an announcer and I was big Jim Duggan when I came through the territory and I got I, I had a lot of respect and got tight with Arnie Scolan, which really mm-hmm. helped me an awful lot. Who was very tight with Andre and and if you follow my whole career, a huge elevating part in my career is when I knocked out Andre the Giant. But the two by four years and years and years earlier, as a convict, I worked with Andre the Giant and he tore my mask off. Wow, he unvasted old Jim Duggan when I was leaving the territory because all the top guys would go to Japan and on the way back they stop in Hawaii, do a show. High Chief would have his big uh, once a month show when the boys would come in from Japan and those local guys. And, of course, I, I was a big guy, and I, they needed somebody, you know, and Andre, like, I'll do him. And he remembered all those years later, you know, when he was standing in the ring, he's like, I challenge anyone. Duggan, get your two-by-four. <laughs> <laughs> I have to wrestle every giant there is. You talk Big Show, Kali, Yokozuna. Duggan, you get did. your two-by-four. Come on. <laughs> Well, I mean, you you held your own, and uh, to your point, that was that was like the, one of the biggest moments of your career. People still point to you knocking out Andre with the two by four. It was a really cool. Mo- he was like choking you, if I remember right. He had his yeah. Like, it went down and challenged, and I ran down. I I had my chin pretty much on my on his belly, looking up at him like I'm I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> and he but, went to grab me. Just went to grab me, and his thumb hit my lip. Boom! And knocked my lip off, man. So blood is just cascading down my chest. It's just pouring. He's got me by the throat, and he's choking me down. He's choking me down. He's choking me down. I feel around. I get the two-by-four. Wham! I hit the big giant between the eyes. He goes down like a huge redwood tree. WWF goes off the air with me standing over Andre the Giant covered in blood. Ho! Ho! (laughs) (laughs) That's and that elevated me from a mid-card guy to a main event guy. And if Andre didn't want to do that, you know, he definitely wouldn't have done that. That was a huge favor. He laid there, knocked out, me standing over. That was a, a huge moment in my career. Incredible visual. I, the rest I, of people I, like, well, you hacksaw, you know, you were never world champion. You were never intercontinental champion. You are never tag team champion. You were lucky to win a match. But that was okay because that was my whole thing. I don't care if I win the match, long as I win the fight, tough guy. So I could do the job for Flair, whoever, one, two, three in the middle, 
Grab the two by four, chase flare out of the ring, hit the timekeeper, get the referee. Oh, get my gimmick over. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the belts didn't really meet that much. Like Jake's a good example too. Didn't really need belt. Yeah, uh, him, Piper. You know, there's there's a there's a lot of examples of guys who just didn't need it. To, just didn't need it to get over. And you were you were certainly one of them. Now, I I did want to ask too, Jim. You know, at this time, Jim Crockett Promotions is just rocking and rolling with the with the four horsemen. Uh, they fully established themselves as super super over heels and big draws. Did you ever put feelers out to to JCP to see if maybe they were interested? Um, when uh, they took over, it used to be Georgia Championship Wrestling. I was working at Georgia Championship Wrestling. I came from Hawaii, went to Georgia as Big Jim Duggan. And Ole Anderson came in, and me and Ole did not get along. I just didn't like the man. Mm-hmm. So I went to Pensacola. And uh, then I, I went from uh, Pensacola to uh, San Antonio to Mid-South and the WW. But I did check, obviously, with a bus that will live in infamy, uh, me and the Iron Sheik. Uh, yes. Right after WrestleMania three, which is the worst thing about it, people are like, "Well, you and your buddy the Sheik." I'm like, "I gave him a ride one day, <laughs> one day." But anyway, uh, when the, me and the Sheik got popped, obviously it was a huge, huge blow to my career. I was lucky to survive it professionally. I mean, yes, they were pushing me very, very hard. Wrestle, WrestleMania three, ninety thousand plus people. I hit Nikolai. I hit the Sheik. I'm standing in front of night. USA. I mean, a, a thrill to this day. So, what, three weeks later, I'm on the side of the Garden State Parkway with a sheik. I mean, actual from the penthouse to the poop house. And in one day, it was a, a huge blow to my career. I never really recovered from it. I mean, I, I had a great career. I'm not complaining. I'm over 21. I made my own bed. I got to sleep in it. But, right. uh, yeah, no, I don't think I would have. It might, might have been on a different trajectory. But, uh, I did when they when they canned me and uh, they handed me in the sheik and uh, Jake was trying to smooth it over. They had a big meeting and Vince cut a big promo. And so Jake went up after him. So Jake calls me, goes, uh, "You're screwed." <laughs> <laughs> so you reached out to Crockett. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it- I called Dusty. Yeah, I called Dusty. I sure did. And and yeah, I didn't uh, know Crockett. The one time I met Crockett, he was rude to my dad. I don't think he even realized it, but it was one of those things. My dad was my best man. I'll carry it to my grave. He rooted my pop. So, uh, no. so I, I, that makes perfect sense. And I, I mean, did did Dusty indicate that there was any interest in maybe bringing? Oh yeah, yeah. And what happened? Yeah, you know, well, I'll, I'll tell, you, tell you the whole story. Actually, it was sure, pretty good. I was we flew into Newark. We're wrestling in Asbury Park. Not long after WrestleMania through three, excuse me. The Iron Sheik comes up to me. He goes, Duggan, I have no credit card. Maybe you give me a ride. I'm like, yeah, sure, Sheik. Jump in the car. What the hell? So we're driving down. He goes, maybe we get some uh, St. Pauli girl beer. I'll never drink another St. Pauli girl beer as long as I live. <laughs> I'm like, sure, okay, let's get some St. Pauli girl beer. We got a six-pack of beer. Not too far from Newark to Asbury Park. We're driving down to Garden State Parkway. I'm like, Sheiky, you want to smoke a little weed? Like sure. So I had like four joints rolled up. So we burn one. We're driving down. I'm drinking the beer on the parkway. We go by a state trooper and I'm drinking the beer. Like, oh no. He pulls over. He, I'm living in Louisiana at the time that has drive through daiquiri huts, you know. This is the 80s. You know, so the cop pulls me over, the trooper pulls me over, he jumps and he goes, Well, he said, You're drinking while driving. I said, Yes, sir, but I'm not drunk. 
<laughs> he goes, it's illegal in New Jersey. Uh, not in Louisiana. <laughs> oh, no. But uh, he goes, and so uh, he says, uh, the only thing you want to uh, tell me about. And, of course, I know you can smell the weed. I, my dad was a cop. I, I get along with cops. I, to this day, I, cops are my friends. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, sir, officer. There's a small amount of marijuana under my seat, which in Louisiana, they take it and tell you to get the hell out of town. Right? Yeah. Pull, cop pulled me out of the car, feet back and spread them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> New <laughs> West Day. <laughs> not, nothing. Now, now it wasn't, there, wasn't arresting from everywhere because they're two big guys, right? So they uh, they pull the chic out. And he's got a purse. He's got three separate grams of cocaine in three separate containers. Oh no, that's a felony. Now people are driving down the parkway, going, "No, there's hacksaw and the iron chic." <laughs> oh no. So anyway, we go to the the the. Uh, the, the uh, Trooper Barracks, I get a ticket for drinking while driving and less than half ounce of pot. You know, I only had a couple of doobies. Sheik, of course, had a felony arrest. He had three grams in separate containers. He had to go see a judge, but got bonded out. And we still made the show that night. Wow. And we didn't tell nobody. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. So I called Deborah. I'm like, honey, we got popped. But nobody knows about it. This is long before the internet, any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Never calls about 6.30 the next morning. Everybody knows. Oh, no. So uh, my, my first call, it was my pop. My guy, bless him, who was still chief of police up in Glens Falls, New York. And he's like, you get arrested for marijuana? I said, uh, yes, sir. He's like, I know sooner or later you get arrested for that. You know, chewed my ass a little bit. He said, get arrested for cocaine. I said, no, sir. I get arrested for pot. So my family, after he, the initial chewing chewing out that I deserved, my family rallied around me because they realized what a huge shot this was going to be to my career. Yeah. My, my next call was to Vince. <laughs> and never in my life have I gotten through so quick to Vince McMahon, I'll tell you. And oh, I'm like, no. you're like, Jim Duggan for Vince, you know. I'm like, uh, Jim Duggan for Vince McMahon. Click, click, Jim? I said, yes, sir. And Marcus, I'll tell you, I remember the day I died. He goes, Jim, what have you done to us? Oh, no. And I said, Vince, I'm embarrassed and ashamed. Oops, sorry about that, brother. Let me turn that That's off. okay. Yeah, go ahead. I told him, I said, oop, there we go. So he goes, uh, Jim, what have you done to us? And I said, you know, Vince, I'm embarrassed and ashamed. He says, well, turn in your tickets and go home. Because back then, you know, we had a big stack of airplane tickets. And I turned in the tickets and, and flew home. And really oh. lucky Deborah stuck with me. I, I mean, you can imagine going from WrestleMania three to being fired with no chance of coming back. Gosh. I, I uh, did all kinds of drugs. I cut down trees. Uh, if a rabbit ran through my backyard, that was it for him. It was a... a <laughs> Bad, bad few weeks, and uh, Deborah stuck with me through that and many other things over the years. But uh, and the, the big scope of things, it wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened. Now you know they say everything happens for a reason, and you know, look at you now—you're a Hall of Famer, uh, certainly uh, considered a legend. And, and anybody who follows wrestling knows who you are. So it's—I uh, would say that everything worked out all right. 
Oh, yeah. It's been a great business for me, Marcus. You know, you see the, the dark side of the ring and everybody's talking about how tragic it is and what a horrible, you know, background they came from. You know, like I said, I've been with Deborah for 40 years. Never had to go to rehab for booze or drugs. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of both. Can't say I didn't. A lot of just never had that addictive type personality. I drove no felony arrest. Few misdemeanors. It was the 80s. What the hell, you know? <laughs> Put two daughters through school at 69 years old. I traveled the world and going to Scotland in a month. I mean, and, and people, you know, the kind of stuff I still do, and people talk about the WWF. Little bit about WWE, little bit about WCW, little bit about Mid-South. People remember the golden age, the WWF, Hogan, Macho, Warrior, Jake the Snake, Andre the Giant, Junkyard. You can name 10 guys without thinking about it, you know? Yep. Still a good show nowadays, but nothing like the old days. And that uh, network and that YouTube gave us old-timers all new life. I mean, I do Comic-Cons and stuff where young young kids come up and they're, oh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's humbling, Marcus. I'll tell you just uh, – a week ago, I was out there doing an autograph session, and as I was getting ready to sign this, was real big, tough, probably six five, three hundred pound, rough looking biker dude in line, and he's eyeballing me pretty hard, you know. He's working his way through the line, and I'm signing autographs and checking on my security. You know? yeah. <laughs> Finally, the guy gets up to me, grabs hacksaw, Duggan. Me and my dad, we watched it together. I got up, I hugged him. He started crying. I started crying. Everybody was crying after a while. I mean, it's humbling. Folks come up with pictures of their mom. Uh, how big of an effect the WWF had on folks. People would join together as a family. And, you know, that's the little story. Don't walk in front of the TV and grandma, she'll go crazy if wrestling's on. It was a, a moment in time. I don't think there'll ever be a time like that in wrestling. And I, I was just lucky to be part of it. Man, it's hard to picture it happening again. And I tell Jake all the time on this podcast, you know, like you guys were a big part of pop culture. And, you know, a lot of these kids would watch you guys. And, you know, maybe they don't have a, a strong uh, father figure in their house or whatever's going on. And they look at you guys as kind of like these surrogate father figures and guys to look up to. And it's, man, it's just, it's really cool. It's cool to see this stuff. And it's cool to be able to talk to you about the, this sort of thing. You know, all the, all these many years later, it's 36 years ago that you made your way into the WWF for the first time. Wow. And uh, Jim, well, I don't want to. Take... Thanks, brother. <laughs> uh, Jim, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to ask you one more question and then I can let you go. Um, when you came into the territory, the WWF, you're seeing everything that Hogan's doing. Hogan's very, very busy now. Uh, he's starting in with this Hollywood stuff. Uh, do you did you see yourself as somebody who was going to make it to the main event? Like before this this whole thing happened with Sheik, were you like, I'm gonna be the the champion? No, that was never really my drive. I, I I never wanted to be like the world champion. I'm not the marquee kind of guy. Hogan, Flair, Rock, guys like that. There, that's your marquee kind of guy. I'm a you know George the Animal, Bruiser, Brody. Uh, I'm your addition. You know, like people say, oh, hacksaw. What was your favorite move? I said, I kick and punch. <laughs> I'm a brawler. I'm not a wrestler. So, no, I never really thought. I thought I had a niche. I tell folks, you know, we're not all lead singers in the band. I'm back there playing the drums for 40 years. Hogan's out there singing his heart out. It's been a great business for me. Uh, it's been a great spot. 
I beat everybody except the guys. They beat me. They went on the Hulkster. So I it was except in WCW when Vince Russo had everybody beat me. Shit, the janitor came in and beat me one time. <laughs> then you became the janitor at one point. You can't kill me off, brother. You give me my TV time. I'll get hacksaw over. And you did. You did. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that whole WCW thing, that's two and a half shows we can do. <laughs> well, you know, Jim, I would love to have you back on the show sometime. I know that Jake is very, very busy. Uh, so I think it'd be fascinating to talk about your time in WCW, especially near the end, because as you said, they were trying to kind of <laughs> hold you down and they just couldn't. I just saw a clip that you shared on social media of you uh, in your in your janitor's outfit and you were over. Everybody was still yeah. everybody was still yeah, all I about think you. What they, they were trying to do was to push me out of my contract down there. And they you know wanted to free it up for some young kids. But this way I treat my family. I wasn't going to quit. So no. they made me the janitor. And me and Jimmy Hart, Jimmy was producing that Saturday afternoon show. And we were having better numbers than the Thursday Thunder show with a tenth of the budget. So then they called me in the office. They're like, Duggan, we're going to take the janitor shoot off you, but we're going to turn you against America. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to go with this. You know, you're like, going to be part of Team Canada. Oh, my gosh. We got a lot of heat with the Canadians, you know. But Major Guns was part of the team, so that worked out. Well, yeah, that'll get you some attention. <laughs> yeah. But no, but it was fun. I shaved my my beard and cut my hair on the road. So I went to the dressing room in a suit back then, and nobody knew who I was. Guys I've known for 30 years didn't have a clue who I was. That's incredible. I really listen to what they had to say about Duggan, that's for sure. We're gonna have to get a, a shot of that up on social for everybody to see. But man, uh, Jim, I home, my wife met me at the airport. Deborah met me at the airport. She's like, oh, "This is great. You look totally different." <laughs> hey, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> Jim. I want to hey, thank put you the again. Red wig on, honey. It's okay. I want to thank you again for filling in for Jake. My pleasure, uh, brother. Man, this has been an absolute blast. Guys, uh, if you're having fun here listening to the Snake Pit, you can check us out on social media. But more importantly, go check out Jim on social media at Real Hacksaw Jim on Twitter. You can also find him on Instagram at WWE Hacksaw Duggan and on Facebook at Official Hacksaw. And also, Jim is on Cameo. You can go to Cameo.com forward slash Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And Jim, uh, I know that you're over there giving people a really cool personalized experience, right? Yeah, I have fun one. I enjoy talking to the folks. Uh, that's why I enjoy doing Comic-Cons and stuff. I'm doing a couple stand-ups. I haven't done a stand-up in quite a while. Doing one there in Chandler, Arizona, one out in Vegas right before uh, um, WrestleMania. I saw Mick Foley this past weekend up in Toronto, and I told Mick, you know, thanks very much. Because years ago, Mick had a stand-up, and Jake and I went and sat in on a stand-up and said, hey, we'll try this. So, he, uh, you know, Piper was the first one. Mick took it to another level, but he, he opened up the door for me, that's for sure. Man, it's so cool. And, yeah, you guys uh, keep your eyes my, peeled on. So family-friendly. You know, Jake, on the other hand, <laughs> He's he's not a, he's not shy to use a couple curse words here and there. <laughs> you can get your product or message on our podcast when you go to advertisewithsnake.com. If you're listening to this, there's a really strong probability that we're targeting the exact demo that you're looking to attract. Uh, so you'll see results from our loyal listeners. And again, follow us on social media at Snake Pit Pod on all platforms. 
Uh, go to adfreeshows.com and subscribe there for some really incredible exclusive wrestling content. It starts at just $9 a month. And Jim, again, thank you so much again for joining us today. Yeah, it, it was awesome. What a blast having you on the podcast and getting to pick your brain. Well, good to talk to you. And of course, when you see Jake say, I don't like anything. But one thing we got to do, Marcus, before we go, brother, and if you're going to hoe, hoe like you mean it, young guy. Here we go, man. Let's do it. Oh! <laughs> that's some good hoeing. That, that's exhilarating. We'll catch you guys next time right here on the Snake Pit.